Hi everyone, I'm Aaron. And I'm Kendall. And this is Southern Sleuths. This is a brand new podcast for from Black Brew Productions. Very first episode of the True Crime Podcast. Today we have a disturbing story of Gannon Stout. I think it's pronounced Stout. Stout. Yeah. Gannon Stout. Yeah. Also, Letitia is, I've heard it pronounced two different ways, but apparently she's been called T, so we could just call her T in the story. Okay. I don't really care about how to pronounce her name since she's a murderer. Yeah, I mean, I don't either. (laughs) This is the disturbing story of the murder of Gannon Stout. On March 17, 2020, bridge inspectors with the Florida Department of Transportation were working on a bridge in Pensacola, Florida, when they noticed a suitcase was lying under the bridge. When one of the workers went to open the suitcase, they found what appeared to be the body of a young boy wrapped in blankets. They noticed hands, uh, not hands, they noticed little feet and socks and a young boy's head. And once the workers found, once the workers figured that it was the body of a young boy, they stopped what they were doing and called 911. Once the police arrived and took the body in for examination, they concluded that the body was of an 11-year-old boy named Gannon Stauk, who was driven from El Paso County, Colorado to Pensacola, Florida, and his body was dumped in a suitcase under the bridge. So, to take you back to the beginning of this story, January 27, 2020, El Paso County, Colorado, there's a 911 call from Letitia Stout, the stepmother of Gannon. And she makes this call right before 7 p.m., and um, she essentially says that her son, stepson, Gannon, is missing. And as this is happening, and she's talking to the 911 operator, they tell her that she needs to call a non-emergency number. And because I guess they think that it's not an emergency for him to be missing. So she has to call a non-emergency like police number. That's weird. Um, and when she does... She apparently cannot remember any of Gannon's friends or their parents, and she's unable to recall where any of his friends live as she's talking to this person on the phone. Letitia, also known as T, which we will be calling her throughout the rest of this episode, T had told police that that, um, earlier that day, wait, was it earlier that day? According to ABC, she told the El Paso County Sheriff's Office that Gannon had left their home 
between like 315 and 4 o'clock to go to a friend's house in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, then that was the same day then. All right. So Letitia um, told police that Gannon had left the house around 315, 4 o'clock to go play um, with a friend who lived in the neighborhood. However, um, that seemed very weird to police because Gannon had stayed home from school that day because he was sick. And so the police found it very strange that T allowed Gannon to, you know, even though he was sick, to go out and play with some friends. Um, come to find out through a, the investigation, police found CCTV footage uh, of T and Gannon going to Petco um, at one point during the day and then um, later on that day T returns to Petco but Gannon cannot be seen on CCTV even though T swears up and down that Gannon um, was in the car with her and did get out of the car you just couldn't see him get out of the car because he was so little but clearly that was a lie so even though she called the police around 7 p.m. and then she told the police that he went to quote his like friend's house around four or five, investigators say that she murdered Gannon around like after 2 p.m. So she tells him that he went to her friend's house around 4 30, 4 15 to 5. She also T also apparently asked her daughter Haley to go to pick up carpet cleaner, trash bags, and baking soda from the store. And so as that's happening, and after the call, the deputies for El Paso County Sheriff's Office, they arrive at her house around 10 p.m. And she does give them permission to search the property. So the next day on January 28th, um, T has to go to... T has to go to the airport to pick up Gannon's dad, Al. And at this time, Al was in Oklahoma for National Guard training. And because of the situation, he came home. And so she um, she was meant to go to the airport around 9 a.m. However, one of the strange things that, one of the things that, you know, is strange to Al when T comes to pick him up is that she is in a different car and that is because um um at the time t had a tiguan but the tiguan was on a lease and so she told al that she was worried about putting extra miles on the leased car which i've never leased a car before how um however apparently when you lease a car you can only put so many miles on it every year and she what? was Yes, and she told Gannon's dad that um, she rented a Kia from the Avis dealership, and the reason why she did that to pick him up at the airport was because she was afraid to put miles on her leased car. Um, However, according to the True Crime Society podcast, one of the things that they kind of just looked into and found out was that if you do lease a car and you do put extra miles on it for an emergency, then that's totally fine. So in this case, I think picking up your missing stepson's dad from the airport so he can come home and help find him would be an emergency, right? Hmm. Yeah. So she shows up in a rented Kia and he was like, hmm, very strange. So he asked her, you know, oh, 
well, you know, where's your car at? And she said, it's parked at um, the elementary school where she worked at. Well, later on that day, Al went to the elementary school to see if her car was actually there and it wasn't. And so that was when he started questioning, like, hmm, you know, I think she knows a little bit more of what's going on because this is very, very strange that this, that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Very. So then the next day, um, the police had asked he to come in and talk to them by, I think, around 10 a.m., but she showed up two hours late. Wait, have you moved on to the next day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to keep going? or? Um... Well, I was just going to say that, like, when she, like, went to go pick him up, investigators, the, the bot, Gannon's body was, um, where did she put his body? So she put his body, oh, okay, oh, so police believe that at the time, um, when she had rented the Kia to go pick up Gannon's dad from the airport, they believe that Gannon's body was in the Tiguan, and that was the real reason why she didn't want to drive it, oh, okay. um, you know, obviously because she was going to go pick up his dad, um, but also it was just she didn't want to drive it around at all because, you know, there's a body in the back of her car. Okay. And by this time, since this has happened, like, this is by the time I think, um, well, no, it's not. The The detectives in the El Paso Sheriff's Office, they're, like, currently, like, conducting interviews. They're collecting surveillance. They're, like, following up on, like, their different leads. This is all happening, like, on the 28th, so, like, the day after she called. And so the investigation continues on the next day. She has already returned um, <laughs> the rental car. Um, but she was supposed to be meeting with the El Paso uh, Sheriff's Office uh, with the investigators. She is apparently two hours late with her vehicle freshly washed. Now, you know what? This this point, I don't think that they are considering like murder to be the thing. They probably like, okay, this is just like a missing child. They thought... I think they had it classified as of right now as like a runaway. And then like the next day after things get like more serious, then they start to classify as like an abduction. But like Yeah. A freshly washed car. Mm-hmm. Like if they if they, if they had known that like, okay, like we have suspicion that Gannon has been murdered, a freshly washed car, in my opinion, that is a tall tale sign that Yeah. You, you, like why are you washing your car? Yeah, like, why is, like, one of the priorities to wash your car, which made you, which, you know, if it was freshly washed, made you 10, or 10, sorry, two hours late to an interview that you have to have to police to find your missing stepson. And why are you two hours late to that? Like, this is about your missing stepson that you are supposedly, like, really concerned about, but you're two hours late because I'm assuming you were late because you had to get your car washed? Yes, and oh, but no. this is the same car that she was very worried about putting extra miles on, um, aka the car that she the, dumped Gannon's body in. Yes, the Tiguan. Yeah, the Tiguan. I think that's what it's called. Okay, whatever. Well, girl, she showed up to the sheriff's office eventually late, um, and she apparently arrived with like all this paper and stuff. And she, this is the first part of like the insane stories that she like has during this entire investigation. She tells the investigators <laughs> that she had been held at, this is according to Inside Edition, she had been held at gunpoint by a, na- a man named, 
Eduardo on the day that Gannon went missing from their home. And she says that this man, Eduardo, raped her and then abducted Gannon. And then she says she cleaned up the area before she reported her stepson missing. Oh my goodness. That sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Very interesting. So after this, which police described as very weird because this is not something that um, happens in police interviews. Like people just don't show up with notes to walk the police through of what happened. Because she's not even um, like, it's like a, like a, like a suspect. So like, yes. why would you show up with like, no notes makes me think that like, you're trying to remember something because you don't yeah. want to get caught in a lie. That's my, that's what I'm. Yes. And the thing is, it wasn't like she just showed up with notes to help her remember what happened. She showed up with notes and asked police, can I read these to you instead of answering your questions? That, mm. Yeah. And so police were like, what? Okay. Well, what happens after she uh, tells them that she was, you know, raped, held at gunpoint and her stepson was abducted? So afterwards, um, the investigators decided that they were going to take T's cell phone and um, get a warrant for her to get DNA samples. However, during this, T begins to say she's struggling to breathe as if she's having a heart attack, um, while also sticking tissues down her pants. And... But because she is complaining of chest pains and she is, like, showing signs that she could potentially be having a heart attack, she is sent to the hospital. However, once she arrived at the hospital, she had no life-threatening um, no life -threatening health concerns. And before, you know, like, tests and stuff were done, she signed herself out of the hospital and left without telling police, even though the police are there at the hospital. Um and because she just leaves and, you know, she wasn't under arrest or anything, you know, they couldn't really do anything about it. They couldn't go after her. So, um, very strange. Um, I just want to take a minute to point out because tissues down her pants. Like, what is that? What was that supposed to like? What I supposed don't to do? know. I'm wondering the same thing. Yeah, because so weird because in the true crime society podcast when they were discussing the tissues down her pants i was like what, what are you talking about well what, what did they mean? say what did they say that the i mean they were just as confused as we were they were like how what do you mean she stuck tissues in her pants like what was that supposed to do it was just she just started taking tissues and putting them in her pants maybe it has something to do with them like requesting like dna sample like i i, I don't know it doesn't make any sense to me why she would do that so yeah which um very strange but i guess um i maybe it had something to do with the the fact that like um during the interview the police asked her um they were like hey you know since you say that you were raped and beaten and stuff oh. to take you to the hospital and we can have a rape kit done so that way you know you can have an examination to make sure everything is okay um and because it's only that makes know, a lot of sense yeah and it's only you know maybe 48 hours after 
the attack had happened, they should still be able to, you know, get DNA or something, you know, to help find this Eduardo person, you know, that came to her house and stuff. But the thing was, she she didn't say she didn't want to do it. She just outright refused. She said, absolutely not. So maybe she was like shoving tissues down her pants so that way it would be harder for them to I don't know maybe she thought that like because they had asked her that and they were going to get a warrant to get a DNA sample maybe she just thought that like putting the tissues down her pants would like take you know we can't begin to understand the logic of a murderer but the good news is that the next day this is like I said before they like updated Gannon's status from runaway to like an endangered slash missing person's report and then like the fbi is also helping giving resources to the uh el paso sheriff's office and they're also getting resources from the national center for missing and exploited children and they're helping with like the search efforts and the entire county this is like when they like start like you know having like a massive like search effort on like the 30th so now we're like three days into this in addition to the search effort apparently according to abc news that uh-huh. the sheriff's office, they were like asking people with information to call authorities and also quote blast what was described as misinformation on social media about the case. The officials did not specify what exactly misinformation they were that they were referring to. Um, but apparently there is some alleged accusation of misinformation about this case happening on social media. Oh wow. Okay. Before February 1st, I think January 31st is that interview that she gave. Because it says, according to um, KKTV, it says that she speaks exclusively to 11 news reporter Spencer Wilson. Oh, okay. Then that might be the day where she's got her back to... Yeah, because if you said something Oh, about yeah. Her, I'm looking at it now. I see it now. Okay. Uh, you are... Can you hear this? I am yeah. Tisha Stout, which is Gannon's stepmother. Uh, you've been... A part of the investigation since the very first time you were the last person to see him. Is that right? Correct. Uh, what What did you see when you last saw him? Well, I'm not allowed to talk about anything with the case. I would more so be willing to talk about how the community needs to have faith and continue to work together and not make these false accusations like the things that have been said that I've disappeared from the community. I haven't been there to help, but there's lots of reasons behind that. Uh, reasons like death threats, right? Right. Death threats are one of them. My family's getting lots of death threats. We counted over 20-some death threats already. Um, Two, my husband's ex-wife is living in our home, and of course I'm not coming home to do these things and to help with the family when I was kind of like told I couldn't. Um, And then many other things that happened with the El Paso County Police Department, you know, and in doing the investigation, I was told I wasn't complying. And uh, could I elaborate on that? Please do. Yes. So, I asked for an attorney during the interview, uh, and I was denied that by them. I was held because they were blocking the door, and I was told I couldn't leave, and that if I would have touched them, they would have probably, you know, said I still wasn't complying or said I was, you know, trying to run away or something. But during the interview, I asked several times, could I stop the interview? Could I get an attorney? Could I stop the interview? Could I get an attorney? I was denied. I was told I couldn't get nothing to drink. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I mean, it was continuously that my constitutional rights were violated. So I encourage you to go listen to the rest of that interview. We're going to, of course, since we are scholars, 
we're we have all the things that we are using as sources and citations they will be linked in the podcast information and i'll link that interview in it too so that you can continue saying that very into the the it's it's the weird thing about the interview because i i remember kendall you told me let me stop sharing my screen you told me <laughs> that her back was facing the camera but in my mind i was like okay that's not really like weird or anything but as i watched the video i'm like what's her back facing yeah. the camera like this but i guess okay that makes sense about the misinformation that they're talking about because she was getting a bunch of death threats on social media and they were people were making accusations and claims about xyz and like what was happening with this case and so maybe police were like you know what the last thing we need is a whole like social media like frenzy happening while we're trying to find this boy so that's what happened january 31st but as kendall was saying about uh february 1st sorry to interrupt okay so by february 1st t and her oldest daughter Haley are um, they begin their cross-country trip from Colorado to Florida. And here, during, um, hold on, let me start this over. So, um, God. Okay. So, when they begin their cross-country trip, T, you know, once again, rents another car she rented a van which i think is a volkswagen and so the um detectives believe that gannon's remains were put in the van at this time as well um and so they begin driving from colorado and they end up in florida and so um however on this same day detectives go to the stout house and they find more evidence they find um in gannon's bedroom that there was blood um it was in the hallway leading up to the utility room from the bedroom in the utility room itself and um on the staircase leading upstairs the pathway to the garage and in the garage itself they um, also found in Gannon's room that um, there was blood found seeped through the carpet, through the pad, and stained the concrete. Um, there was also blood on Gannon's wall. And they also found 50 droplets of suspected blood near uh, on the wall near Gannon's bed. And then also Gannon's mattress had a huge red stain on... Um, on the top of it like on the carpet part of the mattress and then um also there was there was blood found around the edges of an electrical socket next to the bed um when experts look at these blood stains on the walls they say that the blood stains um like the way the blood spatter um was likely created by gunshot or blunt force trauma or stabbing um which is very consistent with how Gannon's body was found um, in the autopsy report. So, all right. Uh So then, um, while T and her daughter are on their way to Florida, on February the 3rd, a neighbor comes forward and claims that um, on his home security cameras, it 
basically contradicts T's story. And so he shows the videos to police and it shows that an adult and a younger person get into the car outside the residence. But later, only the adult is seen getting out of the car when it comes home. And then the next day um, is when T and Haley make it to Florida. And T checks in to a hotel three miles away from where Gannon's body is later discovered by the group of construction workers. Well, also on February 3rd, this is like when she like starts to like reply back to like all these like death threats. And apparently she had like more than like 20 death threats that was like happening. Um, and she says, quote, this is what she told KKTV, quote, I took care of Gannon for the last two years in our home. I would never, never, ever hurt this child. And I know there are some questions out there, dot, dot, dot. That's up to the investigations when they end up letting you guys know. But I've cooperated with them. We are going to find Gannon, and that's the main goal that we all have. I'm just ready for Gannon to come home. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. She something else. So um, we were, she got into the hotel um, that day on the 4th. Um, on the 5th, uh, Gannon's uh, biological mother and father, they like get together to make this uh, plea for anyone who has information about it. His mother says, quote, a kid doesn't just disappear and no one sees him. So if you have anything that's credible, if you're afraid, don't worry about it. Imagine my son. Imagine how afraid he is. Um, and then also again, his younger sister, Layla. Um, she also sat down and for like the for the statement. And at the end of the video, you hear her say, I love you, Baba. So um, but neither of the parents addressed like the rumors that like Letitia T had anything to do with uh Gavin's not Gavin, sorry, Gannon's abduction. Um, but I guess things just kind of just like kind of uh breeze on by until the 13th when uh the search for Gannon moves into Douglas County. Um, but then like a few days later, it is pretty much suspended. Uh, but between those days, 14th to the 15th. T tells her husband some interesting stories about the events mm -hmm. that happened. Oh, wait. Would you... just to... Oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to... Go ahead. I was just going to pop in and say, you know what? Were, were you going to ask me to tell what was going on? I was going to say, do you want to show the first one? Oh, yeah. Okay, go ahead and start over. Because I was going to say that um, the dad had agreed to have police monitor the phone calls between him and T. Okay, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So she tells her husband five different versions of the events that happened like hours before Gannon went missing. Um, the first one is that uh, she says the El Paso Sheriff's Office came to the house on the 27th of January uh, and the abductor was still in her residence and that she tried to signal to the Sheriff's Office deputies that there was someone somebody in the residence that was one story yeah um she also told al that um that um when she was leaving petco 
there was a man who was in the middle of the road and then T basically said that she stopped the car to you know avoid running him over but he jumped into the car and made her take him to her house and then he raped her um another story is that T and Gannon were uh, on the side of the road on Highway 105 County Line Road in northern El Paso County on the 27th and Gannon was on his bicycle and he fell hit his head and then was abducted by somebody but then another story that she tells Al is that the blood that was found in Gannon's room she said that it was basically a mix of hers and Gannon's blood and that was because since um her and Gannon were um basically raped so severely with an object that there you know she was not surprised that there would be blood on the wall because you know hers and Gannon's blood on the wall because of how you know like violent the raping was um she also said that she was tied up at some point in the abduction and that the abductor was still at the house when the El Paso County Sheriff's Office came to visit that night. And later on, this is about a couple of days later. Wait, the person oh. that she says raped her says that his name is Quincy Brown. Um, yeah. And she says that she knew his identity because she saw a paper with his ID fall out of his pocket and that she sent a photo of Quincy Brown to Al via text. Yes. And so, so now Eduardo is no more. She now says that there. Well, so the area that, sorry, before we move on to the next day, this is the exact same, the same day. Uh, when mm-hmm. Gavin, not Gavin, sorry. I don't know why I keep saying Gavin. Gavin, when Gavin, when you said like when he fell off his bike, um, he apparently they said this happened around uh county line road and highway 105 right yeah and she tells investigators this is coming from the affidavit she tells investigators that searches in that area would be quote futile and so the police believe of course obviously that she also fabricated the story after seeing uh quincy brown's picture in a lineup of uh pike's peaks most wanted fugitives so by this point, I think that investigators, police are like, girl, the math ain't math. Yeah. They're like, mm, yeah, no. Like, she just keeps changing her story. And it's not like, you know, her story is just changing a little bit. It is drastically changing multiple times. And it's just, you know, like, you know, obviously or hold on sorry now it is um a thing that you know like when you do experience sexual assault like um remembering the details can be difficult because it is such a traumatic event um but in this situation it is very clear that this is not what is happening this is um you know very much like it, it it's very she's trying to cover her tracks a little bit and yeah very disgusting very very uh i would say calculated but i feel like calculated is um 
you know, too generous of a word for her because I feel like to be calculated, you're very organized. Um, and she's obviously not. You're very smart when you're calculated, and this woman is not very smart. So uh, the next day, on this on February fifteenth, investigators they are continuing their search, and they find a piece of particle board in their search. And this particle board is stained with blood, and they do like an, uh, whatever that they do to get the analysis right. And the blood profile does match Gannon's. And so they're saying, okay, Gannon's blood has been found near Highway 105, that she said. Um, but investigators believe that he, they believe that she used that particle board during the, when she was like getting rid of Gannon's remains. Um, and that she also told investigators, um, she told investigators that she told Al that the, like what Kendall said, that he fell off his bike. And that's like what, uh, but she says she tells him that that's what she said because she thought that's what he wanted to hear. And then T tells Al over the phone uh, that the blood in the corner of Gannon's room was a combo of hers and like what Kendall just said. Um, but her long story so her stories are not matching up they're not matching up at all and a couple of days later she admits to somebody that she is telling al a bunch of lies and tila cummings is her name oh yeah she tells tila this because she says she knows that al won't believe anything she says anyway which yeah, which is very strange because I feel like if your husband, like, if your husband doesn't believe anything you say, you know, then that is a huge red flag about you, I feel like. Um, but so also, yeah. Before, I, w- I want you to describe what happens on the 18th. But to give you what happens on the 17th, because this this is insane, y'all. Who If you're listening, this, this is the insane part. It's already insane because she's a murderer. But she tells this woman named Laura Abernathy that she was thinking about flying out to Colorado because she's in Florida right now to Colorado to take a lie detector test to prove her innocence. She said, quote, they think I'm still in Colorado. And then later that day, she told someone who they don't, the investigators don't have a name for, that she was going to go take a lie detector test, but the test wouldn't be admissible in court and no law enforcement would be present. Kendall, would you like to tell us about this lie detector test that she took? So, um, the lie detector test was not a lie detector test at all. So, uh, the morning of February 18th, T calls a number that is associated with the website fakepolygraph.com. The number is 321-247-6876. Yes, which, side note, you know, fakepolygraph.com, that sounds like a scam website. Um, it does. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, she tells the customer support agent that she never received a confirmation for the test that she paid for. And the guy on the other end said that he would send her an email. However, she calls again about an hour later and she asks about the email again. And the guy the customer support agent on the other line says that her report was blocked by management because of the questions she wanted to be on the test and he said that any test with illegal activities the company has a right not to send it so what is this so 
she really trapped herself in this one. But well, this is exactly what happens. So she says, quote, what do you do now? Just delete it and go on about life and keep the money? And he says, yes, we do indeed. And she says, okay, I got you. Thanks. Goodbye. Yes. So I just to give you an idea of what the questions were on oh, the God. Um, oh, God. polygraph, the fakepolygraph.com polygraph, the questions were... Okay. Oh, let me see sorry uh here it is okay so with this fake polygraph um the fake polygraph questions they included um in the case involving missing child gannon stout do you intend on telling the truth and then case involving your stepson gannon did you inflict harm on him in any way did you accidentally hurt him in a physical way did you murder your stepson uh and do you know personally who was involved with your stepson's disappearance? Um, yes. So, uh, <laughs> which at this point, you know, it's very much like nobody, you know, nobody has come to the conclusion that Gannon um, is deceased. So the fact that there is a question on the fake polygraph question list of murder is very alarming like that's a another red flag of one, one of the many red flags in this case with her so um and also that's just not it when it comes to t's internet usage um in the affidavit that police released um for her arrest they also released the strings uh the string of google searches and these are google searches from january 25th to january 28th oh god yes um just to read you a few of them so the 25th and the 26th now keep in mind these are google searches these are not facebook posts these are not tweets these are very much google searches T is Googling things like find real military singles. I'm overdoing all the work for my stepkids and their mom doesn't help. If you are involved in your kid's life, you are shitty. My husband's ex-wife does nothing for her kids. I wonder if my husband's ex-wife is sending me a Valentine's card since I raise her kids. And a personal favorite... <laughs> One day, some people will wish they treated you differently. Wow, but you just confessed. Yes. I mean, and then the 27th is the day that, um, the day that Gannon went missing. Um, her searches were, my son burned the carpet, how do I fix it? Smoke effects will humidifier help. Smoke from fire effects will humidifier help. She's like asking the same questions. Um, she's also Googling laws in Colorado for kids staying home from school um but then she says school is out is it okay for my kid to stay home alone which I thought that he was staying home from school at this point uh -huh. um son is sick but I have to go to work son is sick can he stay home and then there is suede repair for sofa um, and then also that same day, she Googles El Paso Sheriff's office number. And then the next day on the 28th, um, once Gannon is reported missing, um, 
but or he's technically classified as a runaway um in the beginning there are searches that um t made that says what is the process for our runaway child police steps for our runaway police steps for a missing child can nintendo find my switch what yes um so ganon had a uh a nintendo switch and i think maybe the search was basically asking like can nintendo like track my switch um because another um google search that came up on ganon's cell phone um which investigators believe that t made herself on his phone was that um can my cell phone be tracked if my phone is turned off very strange and then the last search that sticks out that she made i don't i think it's incriminating oh yeah very incriminating <laughs> and then this that, is strange it's, it's like yeah ugh. is that they are asking for our son's toothbrush but said nothing is wrong yes oh and then she also googles car net volkswagen which she had a volkswagen tiguan um so i think she was looking to get a net for the back of the tiguan i've never i don't know what a tiguan looks like so interesting yeah um so she's um google searches are very interesting um very confused as to why she puts like her personal thoughts into a google search because like what are you trying to like like what are you looking up when you know you make these searches like what is it like that you want like do you want like an op-ed piece from somebody to read or do you want like advice like what what exactly are you looking for and with this so uh, around the 21st <clears throat> this is when like the search efforts have been suspended and like a week later um judge uh raffolo raffolo signs a warrant for her arrest uh T's arrest. Um and she is arrested in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for the murder of her stepson, Gannon Sock. And that happens around March first. And then like two days later, this is when she's like making headlines. Um after she apparently allegedly attacks a deputy while being extradited back to Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then the next day on March 5th, um, Al, Gannon's father, files for divorce from T, saying that the marriage is irretrievably broken. And, um, I mean, yeah, I feel like, yeah, at that point, it's very irretrievably broken, you know? Like, more than just irretrievably broken. I mean, I think she's, yeah. Yeah, very. Then, almost a week later, um, T is formally charged with first-degree murder in the El Paso County courtroom after she is extradited from South Carolina. And then six days later, on March 17th, Gannon's body is discovered in a suitcase uh, under a bridge in Pensacola, Florida. And um, the medical examiner found um, in the autopsy that Gannon had been shot in the jaw stabbed in the chest and back and suffered a skull fracture he also had defensive wounds covering his arms and legs and he had a bullet lodged into his skull um when his body was found he appeared to be wrapped 
in blankets and he was in the fetal position so very gruesome very very heartbreaking um and yeah. just to you know kind of go back to what was said earlier when blood experts were talking about the blood found on the walls in gannon's room uh gannon's um injuries that the medical examiner found um are very consistent with the blood spotter experts when how they said the blood could have been you know found on the walls and his mattress on the floor and whatnot so um very consistent very telling i mean a few months go by there's this incident where she apparently tries to break out of prison but honestly the next year like a honestly a little bit less than the the years when he uh gannon was murdered she gets this mental health evaluation by the court that essentially says that she is fit and competent to stand trial that happens in and then oh and then about a uh a little over a month later t says uh she asked to represent herself in court which I cannot find the source for this, but the True Crime Society podcast said she told the judge that she wanted to represent herself in court because she felt that she had um, the ace in the hole for her case. Okay. Yeah. Which, you have the right to defend yourself, so the judge granted the motion for her to do that. And the reason why she asked to represent herself in court is because she um, wrote a letter to um the governor of colorado i believe saying that it was either the judge or the governor of colorado saying that um she was suffering in prison and that she had um you know bad legal counsel and that she you know felt like she was being held hostage for a crime that she didn't commit and she was hoping that she could like get out of prison until the trial and that um yeah whole whole thing yeah it was very strange um oh and then by april 30th which is less than a year later t and al's divorce is finalized and then oh but then by may 3rd even though t you know was granted you know she was granted the right to represent herself in court she now has um new public defenders appointed for her case so her wanting to represent herself in court did not last very long <laughs> yeah and then a few months later after hearing testimony from like law enforcement and expert witness which apparently according to kendall she like allegedly like flipped them off uh the judge ruled that this case would go to trial um and then the next year she changed he changes her plea to not guilty by reason of insanity which is interesting because she had a mental health evaluation that said she was competent to stand trial um but interesting that her plea is now not guilty by reason of insanity yeah so um i think the reason why she went on to make that plea is because um it was found out that uh she was diagnosed with like a general anxiety disorder um it also was found out that she had um a personality disorder 
Uh, experts at the state mental hospital concluded that she did have a personality disorder with borderline and narcissistic features. However, at the time that Gannon was murdered, she was sane. Um, so, um, because of this, under Colorado law, that means she knew the difference between right and wrong and was able to form the intent to commit a crime. Like, this was not a spur-of-the-moment psychotic break that her and her defense were trying to argue. This was very much um, a formulated plan that she had made herself. And so, they also, her defense also tried to argue that this psychotic break was basically caused by trauma from being physically, emotionally, and sexually abused during her childhood. Um, I cannot confirm or deny with any sources well, because that of all happened. of this, all, because yeah. of all of that stuff, the case got extremely delayed because they were requesting like new like mental health evaluations. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like months were happening, and then a judge warned the defense that they were he was essentially like or they I don't know their gender. The judge was like, you have four more weeks to get this done. Um, or like the ho- the hospital where they were doing this, they needed to explain what the delay was. Um, and a little bit later, the judge was holding hearing a hearing to discuss the results of like all her tests. Um, the results were not read publicly, um, but the defense did ask for second evaluations and requested requested that they had their own ex- experts. And the judge granted them a second evaluation, um, and Latia arrived to the hearing an hour late, um, and a trial date is was set uh, for March of 2023. Yes, um, and then the trial concluded in um, June of this year and she was found guilty um just clarify not guilty by reason of insanity she was found guilty for the murder of her stepson Gannon and oh I forgot to mention that part of her google searches um and these were the google searches that she had made when she was before she was arrested in South Carolina um while she was in Myrtle Beach South Carolina she was googling how long does a body decompose in a bag? Find people who want to go to jail. Casey Anthony and face transplant. Well, she was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. So yeah, okay. Um, she was also sentenced twelve years. Uh, but th- this is for the murder. Uh, mm-hmm. she was sentenced to life without possibility of parole for the murder conviction. But then she was also sent- sentenced 12 years in prison and three years parole for tampering with a deceased human body and then 18 months for tampering with physical evidence. So mm-hmm. she got a lot of sentencing, but she was sentenced. To life. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. That's basically how the case wrapped up. Since then, there earlier this week, there was some... Um, controversy on that it began trending on twitter and it turns out that there were some content creators um i do not know their names nor do i want to put their names out there to give them any sort of like boost in um searches or anything um who have patreons and on their patreons they were advertising that if you subscribed 
to them, you could see photos of Ganon's autopsy, of like what he looked like at the time of his autopsy. And I mean, that that is like very horrifying, especially because, you know, at the time of his autopsy, he had been uh, deceased for about three months. Um, and just to, you know, hear how gruesome his murder was, you know, to be, you know, like, I wouldn't want to see that regardless if I was, you know, like, in the courtroom. Um, I don't have the kind of, you know, strength to look at that, you know, if I was a medical examiner or if I was a detective, anything like that. Um, but it's also just very despicable to charge people to even, you know, make that a thing, like, to kind of, like, put on display somebody's autopsy photos. And this was an 11-year-old boy. This was, like, I mean... It's just very, very unsettling and very, you know, cruel and whatnot, you know, just to, you know, advertise that. Yeah, I agree. There is um, a very sick, disturbing culture with some people and the way that they consume, like, crime and harm and violence and death of people and capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, really disgusting. So. Yeah, yeah it's like... You know, I I hate to use the phrase the true crime community. Uh, I believe that there are people within the true crime community that actually care about the victims, but then there's the other half that is very much sees this as entertainment or as you know, like um, a spectacle. You know, something to kind of like, you know, just use as like you know for their own satisfaction, and that is not that is not you know. Right. The, the purpose of true crime. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> any final things, Kendall? Um, you know, <laughs> I have so many thoughts about this woman, but I think, you know, people could probably get get the idea of how I feel about her just from listening to this and hearing the way that we like our tones and stuff when we talk about the things that she did um you know my heart breaks for Gannon his family that actually you know did love and care about him and that you know wanted to you know bring him home alive and well and whatnot um you know it makes it hurts my heart because you know I have a little brother and you know, even if I didn't have a little brother, this would still be a very heartbreaking case because he was a child. Um, but, you know, I kind of think about, you know, like if that was my little brother, you know, how would I react in this situation? And I think I would have gone completely crazy. I think I would have like gone crazy if this was my little brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to Gannon Stock's story. Um and we'll see you next month on Southern Sleuths. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Bye.
Southern Sleuths is a Black Brew production.